IKEA always asks, what makes a house a home? Comfort? Making your place your own? Mm. Affordable solutions created with the planet in mind? With IKEA, it's all of the above. And now you can afford even more with new benefits for IKEA family members, including 5% off on all eligible purchases in-store. Every visit, every day. Visit ikea-usa.com family to learn more and join. Offer valid starting 9-1-2022. Limited to qualifying purchases. Exclusions apply. Not valid on services. Discount applied in-store only before tax, shipping, and handling. Cannot be combined with coupons. Visit ikea-usa.com family for more details. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone. 14. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts, and people listening to self-help podcasts, and people listening to true crime podcasts, who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers, ask how to get the new iPhone 14 on us with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. Will stood back and held out the knife, searching, touching the air with the most delicate movements, until after a minute or so he found a point at which he could cut. He did it swiftly, opening a window through into the moon-drenched parkland of Chigatsi, and then stood back, estimating how many steps it would take him in this world to reach the study and memorizing the direction. Then, without a word, he stepped through and vanished. Welcome to His Darker Materials, where we run through the BBC HBO show His Dark Materials, episode by episode. Uh, Now, here is your spoiler warning. This is to cover season two, episode five. So we will be discussing everything uh, from season one up to season two, episode five this time around. So if you haven't seen everything up to season two, episode five yet, please go away, watch them. They're fun. Come back and then listen to us discuss them. <laughs> go away. Be gone. Um, so hello, I'm your host, Helen O'Hara. I'm joined as ever by Dave Corkery. Hello, Helen. Hello. And um, as ever, if you have anything you'd like to say to us, you can get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at Stripped Media UK. We're on Instagram at Stripped Media and you can use the hashtag HisDarkerMaterials. Um, and this is a really exciting episode this week because we are joined and you will be hearing some clips from uh, Daphne Keane and Amir Wilson themselves, Lyra and Will, in person yes. with us. Yes. Except not in not, person. Not, not right now. No. Because we, we, we were in person with them, except not in person. Because, oh, this is like Inception. Anyway, we already <laughs> chatted with them. We had a great chat. We're going to be dropping in some uh, some... Uh, segments from that interview throughout the episode. Yes, we are. And uh, yeah, they're a lot of fun. So uh, so do listen out. Um, but there's a lot to talk about with the episode itself this week. This was another mm. bit of a barnstorm. It really does feel like we're building to the end of the season now. Um, this is a great episode. I, I mean, yeah, really, really good. Shall we start with uh, where the episode starts? Shall we start with uh, Lord Boreal and Mrs. Coulter? Yeah. So we get, so like uh, a few episodes ago, we had Lyra entering our world and, you know, mm. almost getting hit by a car and the sort of bewilderment of, of Oxford. And we kind of get that through Mrs. Coulter's eyes in this episode, mm. which I, I think really, enjoy, I personally really enjoyed this sort of uh, fish out of water thing. And, and also there's a thread throughout of the, Ruth Wilson, you know, as is amazing as always, but the way she plays the, this sort of self-reflection realization mm. of uh, or 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 this frustration with 
how she just grew up in the wrong world. Mm. You know, she's literally looking at what she could have achieved in this world. We start with um, her a lovely quiet moment in the beginning of this episode where she's watching a, a, a mother rock a pram and, and work on a laptop, mm. you know, very, very um, multitasking. Very, multitasking and worry exactly so i can't do that the uh, and and then all the way up to later on when she's to, uh, meets mary malone and is shocked that she runs her own department mm. and then then we get this whole bit later with her unleashing this frustration with with uh, lord boreal uh, um about having to fight for everything you know having to um having to have her her published works under a man's name yeah. it's just the 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 sort of unfairness of it all really gets to her, doesn't it? It really does. And it is interesting to see that. I have often railed on the Empire podcast against giving villains too much motivation, spending too much time on that and not enough on villainy, because I think it is a trope in modern storytelling and cinema. But I will absolutely 110% make an exception for Mrs. Coulter because she is an incredibly layered, contradictory, complicated character. And I think giving her that kind of context, which is pretty sympathetic, I mean, certainly to to most women watching, that's going to be a really, really sympathetic thread for her. you know, does give us a little bit maybe of sympathy for her, which I imagine she'll burn through pretty fast, but it it is there. Um, uh, But it also does, you know, give us a bit more understanding of her role in her own world, of her place in the magisterium, of the sort of precariousness of her position, that even someone as, as an unquestionably brilliant and accomplished and rich, I think, and uh, you know, respected as she is, there is a ceiling on high, a glass ceiling, if you will, on how high she can go. And, you know, it also says, I think, a lot about her. She would rather see her work published, even if it's under another name, because she believes in her own ideas enough to want yeah. to do that. It's more important that they be out there than that she gets the credit for them, you know, in the wider world. And she's clearly got a little bit of the credit anyway, because. You know, she does have a certain amount of status that she has clawed and fought for and, and accomplished. But she clearly doesn't have as much as she should have. I think that's that's pretty fair. Yeah. How, how do you think of the the way she speaks to Mary Malone or the way that they, they, they interact with each other? Because she, she, she describes her in a very interesting way, impertinent mm. and intelligent and free. I mm. think that was a really, really telling word, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I, I think... I think there's an element of envy there. Um, I think there's certainly as regards Lyra, like she would love to have that kind of easy conversation. I think I think Mary Malone learned more from Lyra in, you know, two conversations than (laughs) Mrs. Coulter did in the entire time she had her living in her apartment uh, because she got Lyra, you know, on on the same level. She talked to her as an equal. She shared with her in return. And therefore, Lyra trusted her. I mean, partly maybe because the alethiometer told her to, but she just told her the truth in a way that she never trusted Mrs. Coulter. And yeah. and so there's real envy of that. It's not just her her status and her position. But you can see her wanting to connect with Mary Malone as an equal, or perhaps at, at, le- at the very least as someone in the same field, as someone, as some kind of peer. Perhaps she wouldn't consider her her equal, but she would at least consider her someone who would speak the same language. And yet she, she there's almost an element of hesitation or insecurity from Mrs. Coulter in that scene that we don't often see from her. Um, She isn't quite sure where she stands. She isn't quite sure what this woman knows, how much she knows. And and she is really, I think, thrown by how much Lyra's sort of 
trusted her, confided in her. Yeah, it's interesting because she is a bit on the back foot with her, mm. isn't she? Um, because which she doesn't like to be. Very much. Mary Ma- no, because <laughs> Mary's got the, you know, she references dark matter and dust, but she almost Im- seems to have a, a better grasp on it than mm. Mrs. Coulter does. And, and in many ways, she does having that um, that basically voice automated uh, uh, text text to voice version <laughs> of, of dust. Um we did skip over one massively important detail, though, Helen. We did. Uh, which was the opening shot of this episode, which is the golden monkey wearing a flippin' seatbelt. It and is, yeah. I, I, that will stick with me for, for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know why. It was, but, uh, and I have such conflicting feelings about this, this bloody golden monkey. Mm. And again, during this episode, the same, um, which I guess is an extension of Mrs. Coulter, as you said, as a character, because, you know, she's this ball of contradiction. Mm. But that the, the golden monkey... In this episode alone and throughout the, these two seasons, just veers between horrifying and terrifying and just bloody adorable Completely. and also sim- sympathetic and pity. Mm. The, the, so, the, 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 so him wearing a seatbelt at the beginning of the episode, oh, yeah. um, him being locked in a house well, later on. like off. oh, yeah, pan against stro- the window. Stroking the window oh. and I'm like, that poor lad. And then uh, Will meets him and it's just, ah! <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it is. I mean, it, again, it goes to all of her con- contradictions and her sort of confusion with herself. Um, it, it's awfully useful that she can separate because it is hard to imagine quite how she would fare in a college with a monkey uh, walking beside her. Presumably she would have to take a weekend bag instead of Laura, Lyra's little <laughs> you know, backpack. But yeah, it, it is, uh, again, it's just testament to her toughness. And you can see that it's... It makes Lord Boreal. He's he's weird in this episode. He is a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think there's almost an element of, and this may be overthinking, fetishizing women of this world, and finding oh, it quite exotic that she can turn up looking like them and without her her demon visible. And there's almost an air of that being a bit, you know, a bit risque for him. You know, and his face when she comes downstairs on her own without the monkey is is something. So I think, I think, I don't know. I think there's That's something going on. Yeah. I mean, he does yeah. definitely have a crush on her at the best of times. So it might just be that. But. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, at, the, at the very minimum, he is that. But you're, you're right. That's a really interesting way to put it. And he kind of, that kind of ties into what we learn about him in this episode mm. in general, which is he's kind of obsessed with our world, mm. uh, which, which is interesting because I guess the previously the perspective we've had on Boreal is we don't have a lot we just get glimpses but he always seems to be you know 10 steps ahead of everyone else he's very established well connected has authority power he's secretive in two Um, worlds as well yeah exactly yeah so he he has a mastery uh, that, that crosses worlds but this episode when we spend so much time with him he just really comes across as as this like kind of desperate a bit desperate and a bit shallow he yeah. starts the he starts the uh this episode in that car with with mrs Coulter describing our world as a culture of consumerism mm. not faith 
but he and he says it in a dismissive way but it's very clear as the episode goes on he's been seduced by it mm-hmm. you know so, it's showing off his all his worldly possessions look uh, there's a piece of the, there's a lot of comedy in this episode actually what? there's a look at look at this piece of the berlin wall mrs coulter and and she's just like whatever but the, for me the absolute pinnacle of it all was like kicking back and showing off his speakers to some lighthouse family. Lighthouse family. God bless. I mean, that almost makes me like him more. You're like, God bless you. You think the pinnacle of cool is the lighthouse family because it's probably, <laughs> know, what, they, right? it's probably what they played you in the showroom when you bought the fancy speakers or something. You know, <laughs> it's it, it, it does go so to good. his lack of depth. You're right. And, and it's, it's kind of adorable. But yeah, he does come across as a fanboy of the world rather than a serious scientist in the way that she is. I mean, she's yeah. a bit like if I mean if you can do that why wouldn't you do more with this? This is crazy, you know. And and I think there is an element of uh frustration on her part that he hasn't been more serious about it. Like she would have been more serious about it. She would have taken over the world already. Like what is yeah. he messing about with living in Oxford? Um Exactly. So so yeah, her her already, you know, existing but seriously growing contempt for him in this episode is is kind of funny but also kind of sad like he god bless he just wants to show off his things and 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 you know and impress a girl and I know it it, it does have this you're right he does have he presents a bit like the golden monkey as a bit of uh, a, a initially a terrifying character but quite pathetic and mm. and a bit a bit sympathetic in this one a he bit. is he is like just trying too hard on on this date mm. which is just the worst date ever <laughs> she's barely like containing her or uh, for someone who's so composed normally mrs coulter she's really unable uh, frequently in this episode to to disguise her disdain mm. for for Lord Boreal. <laughs> I'm amazed he hasn't picked up on it more. Yeah, but I think he's just got laser vision for her, doesn't he? And and we re- we learn that, you know, throughout this whole series, the mm. the only goal that Lord Boreal has really had this whole time is is just wealth and greed, a bit like the Guild. Yeah, um, and also just someone to share it with. He's just lonely, yeah. isn't he? He's just a lonely yeah. old dude. He is, bless him. I mean, not bless him. He's, he's also awful, but yeah, he he <laughs> is lonely. And and I think it's interesting the way when he stri- he tries to sort of talk to her, you know, and sort of preen a little bit and go like Azriel is the first one to travel between worlds whatever dude I've been doing it for ages but you know yeah. he didn't create his own pathway um, he didn't innovate something to 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 get where he is he didn't obviously you know blow a hole between worlds the way that Azrael did and and he doesn't certainly doesn't have the anything near the scope of the plans that Azrael has so that, com- that attempt to kind of neg her ex was just always going to fall flat for her she's immediately like i mean yeah. no and and that line she has later you know if you actually got me you wouldn't know what to do with me is that's Perfect. that's harsh i mean that is it's cutting you know, yeah please call the police there's been a murder jeez yeah and I, and I did like that um when like you say when he brings up asriel and she flats the moment she <laughs> flips because she again this is just ties into what we were talking about earlier this you know living in a man's shadow yeah. and she's angry that not only he that he he brought up Azrael and is trying to compare himself to him but that he brought up Azrael in the context of her talking about herself and trying to explain to him about herself yeah um so yeah boreal boreal just struck out on every level just here over and over <laughs> and over again yeah oh well <laughs> 
Okay, so that more or less sums up, let's say, Mrs. Coulter and Lord Boreal. What about the real fearsome twosome here, uh, Will and Lyra? Because they have um, what I think we're going to call a window heist going on. Yeah, which is cutting windows between worlds in order to break in to Lord Boreal's basement fortress of solitude and uh, and steal back the alethiometer. Fortress of Solitude. That's perfect. Kind of is, right? That's exactly what it is. Um, the yeah, yeah. This is great. This is. I love a heist. I mean, I'm just a sucker for a heist. Absolutely. Oceans um, too. This is. <laughs> exactly. The uh, the and I love the. Um, I, lo- I I mean, the best bit of a heist is often the the sort of prep for mm. the heist, isn't it? The uh, the planning stage. So I, <laughs> and I I loved all that. I loved uh, Will and Lyra with their chalkboard. Uh, blueprints in in Chittagati. Uh, oh, I said it right. You for did. Once. You and, got uh, it. And um, the you know f- experimenting with the windows, discovering that our world is just on the other side, and they're mm. sort of right on top of each other. And I love this sort of like makeshift sat nav that they've created, like <laughs> peek, opening a window, peeking in. Yeah, okay, it's just two streets Little over that left, kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> love that. And then this whole idea of just being able, like the concept of using this knife mm. to like position yourself inside secure locations and then it's it's kind of a genius i think for uh, between them to have come mm. up with that and really powerful yeah and it's interesting isn't it that his home parallels the torre torre delle degli angeli i don't really speak italian or whatever they speak into the gazette but um but it's it's a parallel between the two buildings, which is kind of interesting. It goes to his building again, being a tower to oh, greed yeah. and sort of theft between worlds rather than, you know, the kind of discovery that the knife is meant to be used for. I thought that was a really interesting uh, parallel. Very um, good. I hadn't spotted that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but it also works out handy because, you know, there's nobody else in the tower. They know they can go there safely and now yeah. they can at least. And, uh, and they'd already built a set. And they'd already got the set, <laughs> which is also nice. Now you're going to hear from Daphne Keane and Amir Wilson and the chat that me and Helen had with them before the show. So um, it's like they basically they set up the um, wires. It's like guitar strings, basically. Oh, okay. It's basically fishing. It's fishing line. Yeah, fishing right. line. That's what it is. It's really thin, basically invisible. Um, and the idea, I mean, the idea in the show is that basically you kind of feel along for these strings in the air, and once you find a string, you can like hook your knife around the string and then it just slices open right and it's like basically just like splitting two um strings together taking them apart mm. um and it folds open and leaves this 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 gate this window into another world um and that's fine we got to play with that i mean it was cool because obviously will gets better and better as he goes along um gets easier it's cool mm. i you know getting to experiment with will you know not being able to do it at all when he first cuts his fingers and then at the end he just really swift with it quickly slides down closes it um becomes an expert yeah it's always good it's like it's always good to have that kind of training montage you know and then there's usually the training montage they don't quite get it by the end of it but you know the mentor or whoever is kind of satisfied and goes off and does whatever else they do or goes off and dies in a horrible day dies in this case okay (laughs) um but then there's the kind of like mastering the techniques afterwards so you know the I guess the, the, the window heist, if that's what we're calling it, is is a great example of, you know, just practicing until you get it really, really good. It's, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, 
that isn't the only thing that Will and Lyra do there because they also, as they're, as they're racing around trying to find their way into the right bit of our world, they also come across, um, is it Tonio? And see um, his sister's devastation, Angelica's devastation at what has yeah. happened because of them. Yes, this was quite, oh, this was quite sad. Mm. But Bella Ramsey really getting to, to flex yeah. her muscles here. Um, and what I thought was interesting about this was the, you know, well, the, the anger on display from, from her and the, and the kids and the, and the threat that now presents. Mm. But what was interesting was what we get from Will and Lyra then uh, is them kind of having this discussion about the ramifications of their actions, right? And the consequences. And, you know, I think Will says he doesn't want to hurt anyone else, yeah. no matter what they've done. Because bless both of them, they're both real sensitive uh, souls and they've mm. been exposed to a lot of murder and um, death at such a young age without, um, you know, without ever really meaning to cause it. Mm. Yeah, I th- and I think that that's, it's an, again another key little moment or key little detail of his of his character that he, you know, has this, if you like, history of violence that he has, you know, we've, we saw him, I think for the first time in the boxing ring, you know, we saw him learning to stand up for himself to bullies, that he has anger in him as well, that he would lash out at people sometimes, but that he doesn't want to. And I think that's really, really important that he is keen to be better, be more controlled, be gentler and kinder and everything else. And I think that's the real will actually coming through. It's not just the it's the anger of his circumstances and the anger of his the pain that he's been through, but it's not necessarily his innate nature. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really lovely little beat in the in the in the show even though it's as you say really really sad for for poor the poor old boy and and it and it it really actually um lays the foundations for his fight with uh, boreal mm. later um because there's a real fi- like the fear in will is is um yeah. is potent and i think largely well because it's a naturally scary situation anyway but it's also the fear of hurting this man because he knows he kind of has the upper hand with the this knife yeah impenetrable weapon right he could he could mm. hurt and kill that man very easily but he doesn't want to he's very much stay yeah. back stay away i will break your precious things if you come anywhere <laughs> near me <laughs> yeah he's fighting the man and himself like he's he's scared not just that this man might hurt me but this man might force me to hurt him it's it's, it's a he's got you coming and going really Do you know what? He he made a fatal flaw in that moment, though. He picked up the wrong object. If he had found the Lighthouse Family (laughs) CD collection. (laughs) That would have got him. Things would have gone differently. differently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it is interesting what makes Will, because we're just skipping ahead a bit, but what makes Will actually kind of lose that restraint and kind of go for it is goading by uh, Boreal, first of all, but it is goading about his mother. It is not the threat to himself... Yes. that sets him off it is the threat to someone he loves that is that is the real you know thing that does it and and i think that again speaks to his caring side and his his compassion for others let's talk about a bit about the window heist maybe mm. because uh you mentioned at the top that uh that was one of your favorite um sequences to to film how um you know, how was it? Well, how was it all that all put together? And was it how long, long did that take in that house set? That was actually like a few days, that whole like sequence. Well, I mean, because obviously they were shot in two bits. There was like um, um, 
um, sorry, Daphne and Ruth's bit. You can't Lara remember my name. Coulter's He's bit. known me for more than a year now. <laughs> can't remember my name. Uh, it's been uh, a very Lara long day. Coulter's, it's already yeah, late afternoon. Long day. Yeah. Um, there was um, Lyra and Mrs. Coulter's bet, and then there was obviously Will and Lord Boreal's bet, and that was kind of they were kind of shot separately. Um, right. But obviously, there's a bit before where Will sneaks in before Lyra comes down the stairs. Um, that's what I, I was I didn't that set. I felt like I was on that set for a long time, but that was probably one of my favorite sets. Other than Chittagatsi, that was actually my favorite set. I had a really cool like astronaut. It was like a museum basically. Yeah. We've obviously seen it. Um, and it had like an astronaut suit. It had like all these like bits of the Berlin Wall on it as well mm. inside it in these like glass cabinets. Um, really really cool. Yeah, what I would know. you Fun take fact. from the set if you could? Fun fact. Wait one second. Oh yeah. Amir, the day he had the scene with Ruth, we carpooled like on the way back to work, and he was like. I'm going to ditch you. I've made it in life. I'm working with Ruth, not with you anymore. <laughs> just going to remind you that. I mean, that's fair. I, think, I feel like any of us meeting Ruth Wilson would be the same way to anybody in our lives. It's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're not Bye. my friend anymore. Now I'm hanging out with Ruth Wilson. So, sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, what would you take from those cabinets if you could? What would be your uh, souvenir from the set? I'm not the saying The skeleton. The, like, weird... There was, like, this ancient person skeleton oh, yeah, i don't even like know a, what it was but it like was a like a neanderthal or something yeah exactly like i would have i was i would have taken the caveman skeleton awesome. i would just imagine having that in your house i'd be so sick so weird but space sick. Suit. <laughs> definitely the space suit yeah space suit yeah i think i'd be the space suit as well just wear it around the house yeah. you know yeah, yeah. cash <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14. So people currently listening to comedy podcasts and people listening to self-help podcasts and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts. The point is everyone, new and existing customers, ask how to get the new iPhone 14 on us with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. IKEA always asks, what makes a house a home? Comfort? Making your place your own? Mm. Affordable solutions created with the planet in mind? With IKEA, it's all of the above. And now you can afford even more with new benefits for IKEA family members, including 5% off on all eligible purchases in-store. Every visit, every day. Visit ikea-usa.com family to learn more and join. Offer valid starting 9-1-2022. Limited to qualifying purchases. Exclusions apply. Not valid on services. Discount applied in-store only before tax, shipping, and handling. Cannot be combined with coupons. Visit ikea-usa.com family for more details. Okay, so let's skip back in time a bit because, you know, we've, we've talked about Will and his reactions, but obviously we have to, let's talk about how he actually gets in the room first. So uh, he, he and Lyra spy out the lie of the land. They see that it's not just Lord Boreal, that he's there, um, but they, they have to get him out of the room in order to be able to kind of grab the, uh, grab the alethiometer. So the plan is 
Lyra's going to go to the front door, knock at the front door, be a distraction. He's going to go up and answer the door. Will will nip out through the hole in the basement, grab the alethiometer, bing, bang, bosh, job done. Uh, It's a really good plan. plan. There's just one variable they're not aware of at that point. And that's Mrs. Coulter and the golden monkey, both of whom are in the room when Will cuts his way through and sneaks in behind the sofa. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, this is a great it's mm. a great scene the uh it's very mm. tense like i think it's very very well put together and the um that moment that real like this show does horror beats really well doesn't it like that monkey jumping out as will reaches Ooh. for the alethiometer just got got me good and the um and there was a lovely little touch after that where uh mrs coulter then comes out and and will says to her something like watch out <laughs> he's he's vicious or something like like watch out there's a crazy <laughs> monkey here lady and she just looks at him very flatly at that point like i mean you have no yeah. idea you have so no good. idea kid yeah. <laughs> um and then boreal of course then brings lyra in very firmly locks the door behind him and all seems lost for our heroes mm. but you know like oceans 11 you know just because you're locked in the vault doesn't mean much unless they can keep you there so Nice. That's the problem. Um, if, on, if only they had a, a, a snake launcher in, in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven, like Lord Boreal seems to have up his sleeve. See when he, <laughs> see when he like fires his oh, demon, it will. It that, I mean, awesome. awesome. And, and also, I do not want that. No, thank you. Yeah, that was, that was I no. mean, that would freak you out. And that would absolutely, understandably freak Will out. Um, but the real fight here, I think, is actually not between... Boreal and Will because you know and it is a good fight scene you know the much bigger man kind of holding the little boy uh, not little but the boy against the wall um, but the real fight I think is Lyra versus Mrs Coulter and in particular their yeah. demons rematch and the difference in pan this time between the fight yeah. you know so he was in his sort of weasel or stoat form last time the golden monkey just pinned him immediately kept him down. It was a vicious takedown and it was immediate, quick, surgical, no messing about. This time, Pan is a wolverine, literally a wolverine, I think. Mm. And uh, and and it's just <laughs> a, a much, much tougher match. There is real anger here and, you know, and that all that frustration and all the pain of Roger's fate and everything that Lyra's been through, I think, really comes out in Pan in that moment. Yeah, hundred percent, and and it it also feels like a uh, an inverse mm. of that scene that you mentioned with the the demons first fight in the first season, and and they they choreographed it very similarly, yeah. which I liked. like that that um, Lyra does the same thing Mrs. Coulter did in season one, this sort of like l- quick lunge mm. forward, um, almost like you know this almost like this command to your demon to pounce and pan and pan yeah. does the pounce that the monkey did, and it's it, so it felt and that kind of um, you know, Lyra speaks to it after the fact when she's mm. talking to Will about how she, f- you know, she's saying I'm nothing like you when she's actually is acting exactly yeah. like her, and she's not comfortable with that. Um, and so I thought, and then again, that all ties into them speaking about like their attitudes towards violence and not wanting to to hurt people. And it is this um, incredibly mature sort of conversation mm. and decision by by both of them to sort of step away Absolutely. from Absolutely. And I think it's both of them, to an extent, stepping away from what they've been taught to be. You know, Lyra learned that fight technique from her mother in exactly the same situation. And she tried to replicate what her mother did yeah. with some success. Um, 
and she therefore she's kind of conscious it's a conscious rejection it's not just a sort of instinctive I don't approve of you it's a I have tried being like you and that ain't me and I don't want to be that person and I think that's the same kind of decision that Will's making I've tried going that way I don't want to be that person and so there's a there, you're right it, maturity is the word it's a it's a really key moment I think for both of them um in this story that they're both consciously rejecting a way they've been told to be, a way that they've been told is the way to do things. Um, and they're like, no, we're going to find, we're going to find something else. Yeah. Really exactly. lovely, actually. Daphne, was it, uh, was it nice to be reunited with, uh, with Ruth again for an intense mother-daughter fight scene? Oh, it was lovely. It was actually, we really, really enjoyed it. I mean, we had a great time with it. We went pretty crazy. I think they probably, yeah, no, we had a, we had a great time. It was just, mm. she's so amazing. She's so talented. So lovely, really fun. Also, it was, mm. it was so cool because we got to hang, it was like four of us and the four of us get on so well. Right. So it was just, we just had a great time those days. And then we just, it was so weird because we'd be, we'd walk in and it was extremely intense and we were like crying and screaming mm. and then, Aaron and Amir were like fighting and then we'd go off to the tents and we were literally like doing the the, bo- the the Boreal like Boreal adverts oh, yeah, that yeah. Arian um, made us do Arian, so you know L'Oreal, you're worth it so, <laughs> he made Arian us record made this. everyone he made everyone and when I mean everyone, I do mean everyone everyone on members set cast, yeah, yeah. Pretty, um, Boreal, you're worth it <laughs> <laughs> and that was a Painful, painful time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an irresistible pun, though. I, I understand yeah, why he would good. do it. I do, I do. Yeah, but he really it. milked it. It went on for a really long time. It wasn't just a one-day <laughs> thing. It went on for, like, ages. <laughs> Everyone knew it was happening. <laughs> well, how, how, were, how were your fight scenes, Amir, with, with him? Because, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where you, like... You suddenly really did realize, like this is a you know a half-grown person fighting like a, this big guy. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, he seemed really outmatched for a second there. Yeah, it was cool, um, and it's fun. I get along. Me and Aaron get along really well, um, and it was good. So I could tell him like you, I could he could go harder on me and it'd be right. fine. And like it kind of it felt like we, we'd be able to do that and like kind of push the limits and kind of have fun with it. Um, and it was it was really good. I got to smash a, a vase over his back, which was really fun. They were going to get the stunty. And Arian was like, I want to do it. And I was like, I want Arian to do it as well. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> yes, there was, there was like this clay, clay, you see at the end, and I smashed it over his back. Um, yeah, it was fun. We had, a, we had a really good time doing that. How many takes did that take? I think we, um, they were running out of us. I think we did it in like three. <laughs> three phases. And each time I got harder and harder, yeah. <laughs> I love that, they're running so. out of phases. What about, and Daphne, you got the sort of um, demon match rematch you know, between uh, between Pan and the Nameless Monkey. The Nameless Monkey. Um, it was, honestly, it was so fun to film because it's not just physical, which it is, because obviously even if you're not fighting with your own body, you are actually fighting because you're feeling all of the pain and like all the strain and stuff. But what was really, really fun about it, I'd say, was just the fact, that interesting duality that Lyra has in that scene where she's going, I'm not like you, and yet she's doing exactly what her mother does. Mm. And you can see she's enjoying it, but she's hating herself for enjoying it. And she's, that's what she says later on to Will, like she just, yeah. it doesn't feel okay, but it is a human instinct we have. When you have rage, you just react like that. It's completely 
it's natural and it's horrible and it was just so raw and it was just so fun to do especially it's an honor doing it with Ruth because she's just incredible please tell me there's footage of the uh two two demon puppets fighting each other on oh on my set. god yes there is. you know i was just about to say that i said that was my favorite part watching the demons and the puppeteers just running about it's like <laughs> smacking the it's pot really funny because then you see me and ruth being like extremely emotional like crying screaming and then i remember at one point one of Pan's legs fell off and I just got <laughs> worse giggles ever. And when you get the giggles and you associate it to the line you're saying, so every time you say the line you get the giggles, it was just, it was not a good moment, but we made it, so it's fine. Well, um, got ano- another moment that, that really stood out to me in this episode was actually uh, Boreal's demon. Uh, there's a moment when he's first heading to, to Will and he like and launches he his out. demon <laughs> out of it. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. stop. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that um, that was uh, that was fun. I mean, because uh, Arian actually had they had a real Sean, snake. For it was Arian. called Sean. It pissed Sean, on me once. His name. Sean. Sean the snake. Oh, no. Sean, it... Sean pissed on Daphne once. Oh wow. Um, yeah, not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. But obviously, for that bit, they didn't actually bring the snake out. Mm. I would have run off. I would have actually just gone. Yeah. Out. They, were, they weren't just um, firing but, snakes. No one would have blamed you. Where's the mirror? Gone. <laughs> yeah, and that was cool. Um, Liam was like, "I'm here, like scream," uh, and I was like, "Ah!" Yeah, every time the snake, would, every time the snake would have to come out, um, it was fun. We um, that was. Did really you get to touch the snake, Amir? I never did. I saw it. Um, I never got to touch it. He doesn't dare. Actually, no, I did. That's a lie. That is not no. I, I held it on sure, set once sure. on that set. Mm. On that. It's sure. mucky. It's Fuck. mucky. It peed on me. I do not like the snake. <laughs> I never think about snakes peeing on people. I did um, not until yeah. it peed on me, and now I no, just you, yeah. never holding snakes. Think about nothing else. Like, yeah, I guess they got to yeah. pee. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Somebody once brought goats into our office to promote a movie, and and after that, all animal visits were banned. So, <laughs> don't have goats. Don't work with goats. Don't That's my goats. top tip. Goats are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goats. <laughs> don't like goats. We actually we had a dog on season one on set, and the dog got fired because it kept smiling into the camera. It's quite wow. funny. How can you fire a dog for smiling into a camera? <laughs> it, was, it was so, so sweet. It was like this really, it was this scene with like the scholars and stuff. And then everyone was being really intense about talking about dust and stuff. And the dog was just like, <laughs> which is just like not appropriate. So <laughs> Breach dog of got contract. fired. Lord Boreal and Mrs. Coulter have their own sort of resolution to take afterwards, don't they? Yeah, so I, I I thought it was really interesting how they mm. both react to you know losing, <laughs> uh, essentially, which is not you know neither of them are used to that. Um, Boreal is defeated. Mm. He seems really deflated. I don't think he's I don't think he loses much. Uh, he's some he's somebody who has unlike Mrs. Coulter. I think life has kind of come yeah. easier for for him now. Now he's smart enough and. You know, calculating enough to take seize the advantage when he he needs it, and uh, but but Coulter is somebody who fought tooth and nail to get to the same mm. level as him, and and has lost you know a lot and lost a lot personally. So she is no stranger to failure, and it only strengthens mm. her resolve, doesn't it? And she's sitting there. Th- um, kind of seething and and but also a bit bit sort of calm and and you know saying we'll we'll get our chance and then as soon as she hears about the specters and dust uh 
you know the she makes the connection yeah. this is the the scientist in her uh you know because i think boreal mentions offhand that the specters don't hurt children and then she's like Dance. ah and the cogs turn yeah. and and suddenly there's this you know she's kicking back mm-hmm. into gear and and it's like this again with this sense of like threat with her like what is she planning <laughs> i think it's really interesting isn't it because i think to an extent she has let him think he's in charge until that point even when she insisted on going into town she framed it very much as well they might come back so you need to stay here but it was it was framed like a discussion it was framed like it was partly his call um and i I think here the 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 tables have really turned and she's like okay here's what we're going to do i I think this is really her moment um one of her many moments uh, because she doesn't lack for those she is just uh, uh, one of the greatest villains ever written, mm. and Lu- Ruth Wilson is just smashing it. Like the, absolutely, I c- I can't get over this character. She's incredible. She's amazing. Um, but back in Lyra's world, uh, the Magisterium still exists. They're still trotting trotting along as best they can without her, uh, and uh, obviously, almost immediately, getting into trouble because you know. They, they don't have a Mrs. Coulter to turn to. They don't have anyone with that quite, with quite that firm a hand on the tiller. And in particular, Cardinal MacPhail, this time, you know, things seem to be turning against him. His big initiative was action, not words against the witches. And what do you know, that really backfired when the witches literally fired back. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's not a good day to be the Cardinal, it feels like, initially. No, this is an interesting scene because we... Uh, we're seeing him post seizing power mm. and without Mrs. Coulter, and he presents as kind of uh, indecisive, doesn't he? And, mm. and we're seeing him again up against his rival, Father Father Graves, yeah. who's who's kind of seems like he's 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 pres- he's got more authority in this room. You know, he's getting letters delivered to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, which I think is a bit of a slight. It felt like, you know, he's getting the info. He's part of the information flow. Um, even though it was interesting because Graves feels like he is not railing against Cardinal McVeigh. Like he, he's, mm. you know, he he's he undermined. He's being kind of snarky, though, isn't he? A he's little like, bit. Your yeah, strategy isn't working. We need something else, you know. Yeah. Um, Hence, the cardinal lashes out completely disproportionately, and has him hold off. Yeah, for reason. I, I know, right? <laughs> okay, then. I think I was like real, like I was getting Donald Trump vibes <laughs> here. It just felt like, just like if you don't, if someone in your cabinet disagrees with you, then they're out. Mm. You know that kind of thing. My way or the highway. So yeah, so he he accuses his rival of, uh, you know basically having a lack of faith. It's a lack of devotion among our ranks that is the problem here. It's the classic, you know, it's just, you're just not believing hard enough in Brexit. I, I Sorry, in the authority. And that's why things are going wrong. Um, and I, I think it's exactly that that here. So this is a tragedy. Um, this tragedy is not a setback. It's a sign, is what he says. So, you know, Graves is carted off. Sorry about that, dude. But, you know, that's the way it's going to go. But the real meat of the magisterium scenes, I think, here comes a little bit later when he talks to Fra Pavel, who's his best alethiometer reader, um, and he's looking for answers on Lyra. And mm. that's really interesting. So he's he's fixed rather more on her and not just on Mrs. Coulter. Except that we've seen Fra Pavel and his alethiometer skills in action and they're, they're, they're left, leave a bit to be desired. Yeah, they're, they're slower and more limited, but, you know, there's still an alethiometer yeah. involved, so they've got to be reckoned with, I suppose. Yeah. 
Speaking of uh, serpents and <laughs> slithery demon types, uh, turns out that Mary Malone mm. is is a serpent. Yes, and I wonder about I wonder what we're meant to take from that because, you know, the serpent is uh, knowledge, self awareness, not just sin, potentially. So serpent isn't necessarily as negative as it sounds, or as we may take it, having been raised maybe in a Judeo-Christian tradition and and seeing lots of Magisterian people in this story with snake or reptile demons, you know, we might be inclined to distrust serpents, but maybe not is, is, I think, the message here. Because if Mary's one, then that makes you reconsider, at least makes me reconsider. Better be careful here, Helen. This sounds like heresy. <laughs> oh, no. Cart me they off. Might be, they might be listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, I do like I do like they're going, you know, the, and, you know, Philip Pullman does this naturally as well. But the mm. uh, Mary, Mary picks up her Bible and this is very, you know, this is biblical references. Yeah. And um, and yeah, we yeah, the um, the serpent is crafty is what she she mm. she picks up in this in in this episode isn't it um and you're right it doesn't you know it it means um it's offering you know what is it adam and eve they the serpent offers temptation doesn't, mm. doesn't don't they don't they but uh, uh it's it is attributed with the dawn of humanity in many ways isn't it or current humanity yeah it, it's sin. maybe uh I mean, we were, we were talking Star Trek before we started. Sorry, guys. That's the kind of geeks we are. But uh, we were talking Star Trek and, <laughs> and they talk a lot about sentient species in Star Trek. And, and that's, for many people, what puts humanity aside from other species on this planet. We are sentient. We are aware of ourselves. We have self-knowledge. And that maybe is what the serpent gave us. That maybe is what, what the serpent represents. Um, but craftiness mm. is a pretty great explanation as well let's be honest and she's going to have yeah. to be crafty if she gets through if she wants to go and do what she's going to do um she has to be crafty to get past the guardian or you know the night watchman uh and she's, she's gonna have to create some paper mache um and <laughs> get some stencils out and very crafty yeah like some know. glitter glitter glue even. I mean, <laughs> yeah it's nearly christmas she can get she's that gonna, stuff going she's gonna craft a disguise for herself <laughs> to get past this dude no the other kind of crafts i think the other kind of craftiness oh you think so yeah i think okay. so but um, um yeah she she um she uh well, she does deceive the guardian she does uh, nonetheless she is crafty and she takes her first steps into she 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 bang bang she took that um, she does, and I'm I'm very pleased. It was only on watching this episode a second time that I sort of picked up on the fact that they do say you will be protected, because for a moment there I was a bit like mm. uh, I'd kind of forgotten the book or I'd forgotten this part of the book for some reason, and just was like, but she can't. It's not safe. Um, but she will be protected. So that is that is some kind of uh, I, I love. I love where your like Northern Irish accent really came out there when you're when you're scared. Is that what it happens? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I have to, otherwise, I have to focus on the letter R, and then I can sort of bring it back a wee bit. Anyway, um, very good. But yeah, so I, I love it also that she has this weird, you know, dust angel dust, if you like, that she talks to through her computer. But her first call is, is still Google. Yeah, yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Mrs. Coulter, I guess that's where we would all go. Yeah, but, I suppose. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Like, ask the ask the computer lady. Yeah, it's got to be there. I know. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and then her work in that world is finished. It's time to go. And she just, you know, she has a chat with her sister first, in fairness, and then she just goes. Yeah. Fair play. See ya. Bye. For some reason, I want to start singing Into the Unknown by from Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Disney might sue us. If Who's going to... Will the Catholic Church shut this podcast down before Disney sue us? That's the big question. <laughs> That's the cliffhanger for this that week, That is, folks. if you will, the unknown. Hey! hey. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, with both the Catholic Church and Disney terrifyingly coming after us, uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Do come back for the penultimate episode of season two next week. We are already there. OMG. Yes. And we'll hear, hear more from uh, Daphne Keane and Amir Wilson next week as well. His Darker Materials is a stripped media production. Our executive producers are Kobe Omanaka and Tom Wally. The episode was edited, mixed and sound designed by Tom Wally. This episode was produced by Helen O'Hara and Dave Corkery. All our music was composed by John Dix. Our artwork was created by Sam Gilby. And the excerpt read at the top of the show was taken from the book The Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman and published by Scholastic. This episode was recorded remotely in parallel worlds. Finally, big thank you to James Carroll and the team at North Bank Talent Management. You just heard a stripped media production. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14. So people currently listening to comedy podcasts and people listening to self-help podcasts and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts. The point is everyone, new and existing customers, ask how to get the new iPhone 14 on us with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. IKEA always asks, what makes a house a home? Comfort? Making your place your own? Mm. Affordable solutions created with the planet in mind? With IKEA, it's all of the above. And now you can afford even more with new benefits for IKEA family members, including 5% off on all eligible purchases in-store. Every visit, every day. Visit ikea-usa.com family to learn more and join. Offer valid starting 9-1-2022. Limited to qualifying purchases. Exclusions apply. Not valid on services. Discount applied in-store only before tax, shipping, and handling. Cannot be combined with coupons. Visit ikea-usa.com family for more details. Hey, listener. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Whatever you love to talk about, we know there are listeners out there who will love to hear it. Whether you're an expert, a super fan, or just want to speak your mind, start sharing your passion with a podcast and your audience will follow. With Acast, it couldn't be easier to get started. You can create, launch, grow, and make money across all listening apps, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There are listeners out there for every type of podcast, so let's hear it. Head over to ACAST.com to get started for free.